Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 108 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 5 through 8, where a kiss can wake you up, bring you back to life. Demons terrorize humanity via their pet cats, and demonic power is all in the eyes. I think this is the first time you've ever made a reference back to one of our stupid end credit things inside of one of the openings. (laughs) I was like, a kiss can wake you up or it can bring you back to life, and I just couldn't resist. Wake me up inside. Free me. Wake me up. Uh, you know. Save me from the, <laughs> the nothing I've become. Yeah, I think that's how it goes. Anyways, that's yeah. our Evanescence cover. So call us, uh, all the record executives, if you want a piece of this. Anyway, let's jump in. You know, I, I, sometimes I worry that we're not putting our best foot forward, but I think that clearly uh, refutes that theory. <laughs> Wait, I think the word you're thinking of is uh, acknowledges it. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so hey, everybody. Uh, we are are back this week with more Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, I am very excited to have watched these episodes. I am really loving watching this show again. Um, Shout outs again to a lot of our, our uh, Patreon people. Um, uh, I think one of the biggest proponents of watching you Hakusho show was Brady Johnson, who follow us on Twitter and is one of our Patreon patrons. Um, we also wanted to do a quick shout out rundown to, to our other Patreon patrons because they are fantastic people. Um, Ben Diamond, Cherry S, Nancy, and Sean Kelly. Um, these are all fantastic people that are part of our Patreon patrons. We love them. Uh, they make it easier for us to do this show. Um, and we just had a, a little bit of a milestone minute. Uh, uh, yeah. We were talking before the episode started um, and talking about when we applied for Anime Central last year. Um, we we sent them over some information about uh, where we were as a podcast and what our like, you know, what our numbers were, because they they look at that when they're accepting press. In, yeah, they're they're uh, a big to- outlet. And so they're not going to give a press pass to you if you have like two weeks worth of content and one listener. Yeah. So we we were able to we were able to get in with our the amount of uh, uh amount of listeners that we had last year. Um but uh, we did a one to one comparison between the two because it was about the same time that I was sending over the information last year and it is literally doubled. Um <laughs> like not just not just like almost doubled but some of them are just over doubling and I oh uh I I I put a lot of that uh to our listeners because I I think one of the best ways that podcasts grow and one of the best parts about podcasting as a community is that most of listeners do not come from paid advertising on like, you know, BS platforms. Those people that pay tons of money to get like their ad featured about a podcast on Twitter or Facebook or something like that. I get the, the drive to do that, but most of the time podcasting is, it's a very intimate form of uh, listening that people do because most of the time you, when you're listening to podcasts, it's when you're listening to other people talk 
or listen to, you know, a, a really interesting story. And you're doing it usually by yourself, even when you might be out with a bunch of people. Like yeah. I started listening to podcasts when I was living in Chicago and not really into anything kind of like podcasting. But when I got to Chicago and I was on the train all the time and I was like, I do not want to talk to these people that are around me on the train because they don't want, want to talk them. either. Yeah. And some of them, you know, smell like pee because sometimes people live on the trains yeah. Um, and there's, there's a lot of weird things that happen on the Chicago train system and being able to just surround yourself in your own, like, you know, media bubble is a, a very intimate place to be. And I think that usually how people grow their podcast the most is when you have that kind of tipping point where you have a couple hundred listeners and they tell at least a couple of people. And then those people start to glom onto it as well. And it looks really clearly it like our listeners have told other people to listen and we have gone, you know, doubled in our audience size from last year, which is, yeah. it's just, it's just so humbling there's, and exciting. Um, there's work that we can do. Obviously we mm -hmm. put out the podcast every week, which is not a ton of work, but it is work and we have to set aside time for it. And sometimes that works out better than other times. Um, but uh, you know, part of part of a podcast success and something that we learned early on, um, largely from Spencer reaching out to other podcasts that have been doing it for a while, is that the key is to have a release schedule that is consistent and ongoing. Um, a lot of podcasts live and die off of the um, sort of consistency that the hosts have to it. And if you kind of falter too frequently, especially in the early days, it's hard to keep yourself afloat. And so we we've made a a concerted effort to have that weekly release schedule, even though sometimes we're a day late or every once in a while we have to do a special episode or a re-release because of our scheduling. We still try to get you something. Um, we also go to conventions and do interviews and special episodes like that. And um, that can bring in some listeners when we, when we get people like, um, you know, the guy who voice acts for Deku, that's a big get. <laughs> and um, or like the the dude who was Trunks, who was also in Fruits Basket, got us a lot of exposure. And, um, you know, that was from the the two big conventions that we've been to. Um, mm -hmm. And that always helps cross promotion with or uh, crossover episodes with other podcasts helps. These are all things we can do that that have yielded results. But um, we can look at when we've done those things. And the conventions are probably the most effective thing that we can do. But it's still not something that we can have success in by ourselves. And so when those people that we interview go out and tell people about that interview, and when you guys as the listeners go to tell your friends about our show, that's where we really see the biggest spikes. And, and we can do that content that gets people's attention. But uh, most of the time, it's getting your attention as our listeners and giving you something that you feel more excited to tell people about. Um, yeah. And like, we, so, you know, we do that work on a constant basis, but also like, I know a friend of mine, uh, who listens to our show because I mentioned offhandedly that I like anime and have a podcast about it. And he was like, Oh, that's cool. I'll check it out. And now he listens. And one of the other ones is a Patreon subs uh, subscriber, Nancy. She is also a personal friend who I happened to mention that I do a podcast to. And now she listens and is one of our patrons and like, you know, all the stuff that, that we can do as hosts of the show, it kind of pales in comparison to that word of mouth because that's really what people are looking for these days. I think. Yeah. 
Because most of the time people want to know what other people that they like, like to listen to. Yeah. And a, a lot of <laughs> people know? are like me where I'm like, if you're the person who makes this thing, I don't want to hear you tell me why I should care about this thing because I automatically assume you're lying to me. And mm-hmm. if my friends tell me about it, I'm like, oh, this is a valid recommendation that I should investigate further. Yeah. Anyways, uh, with that being said, uh, we are going to uh, go ahead and get into some more anime stuff. Um, I want to say just really, really quick before we begin, um, uh, just uh, our, the tiers of our membership really quick. Um, one of them uh, is a little bit more up there, but if you wanted to be a part of it, I've been having a super, super fun time making an anime care package from what, for one of our listeners. Um, I, I'm going to be doing this like, uh, every quarter throughout the year, um, for the people that are the Patreon members that are that at that level. And, uh, it's been very fun. I've been able to just go into like comic uh, comics and manga shops throughout the city of Memphis and just like find knickknacks and stuff. And I'm just, uh, really excited about doing this because I feel like I'm, you know, the, the, the cheap version of like swag boxes. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, you but get to it's like, indulge that inner otaku who sometimes wants to buy the $300 figure but can't, and so you you don't yeah. get anything. But now you can, even though you're not keeping it. Yeah, I definitely I, I definitely went into one of the stores and saw that there... I, I don't want to give it away, but there's I went into one of the stores in Memphis, and they had something that was very random, um, and I am very excited about sending it. Um, and if more people wanted to be part of that, you can definitely sign up for our Patreon and, uh, plug over. Sorry about all the schmoozing. So, uh, I, uh, I've mentioned a few times recently, it's coming up very soon. There's a convention in Chicago called C2E2. It stands for the Chicago comics and entertainment expo. Um, I am planning to be there with my husband and our friends. And if you are planning to be there and you want to say hi to me, um, let us know. I'm most active on Reddit. That's the best way to get in touch with me specifically from our show. I think Spencer is kind of the social media guru of the two of us, but I've always been a Redditor in a way that he is not, or maybe has become, but only recently. And so uh, if you reach out to us on our Reddit page, I will get that. You can also reach out to me directly. I am Patch Doris on Reddit. I'm the one who posts all of our episodes on our subreddit. So you can message me directly on there. Um, I'm also trying to figure out how to use Twitter. Uh, (laughs) that makes me sound super fucking old. Um, I've just never gotten it. (laughs) I, I always liked Facebook. I felt like Facebook was very clear. I also liked that Facebook had the ability to make larger posts and pictures and stuff like that. And I felt like Twitter was just Facebook without many of the features that I wanted. Um, now I don't like Facebook as much because of politics. And I think that Twitter's doing a better job. Um, I also really enjoy like Twitter responses to pop culture moments and stuff like that. So I'm, I am trying to force myself to be more into Twitter. I also feel like it's a better way to, uh, express yourself and reach out to fans, which, uh, I know from our listenership, we have a few people that could be rounded up to fans at the very least. So, uh, I'm trying to figure that out. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, that's also, um, something I would recommend, although I will say I haven't quite figured it out yet. So, uh, odds on the return are maybe a little up in the air, but, uh, you know, try it anyway and see what I can do. Um, yeah. Also, anyways, we let's talk really quick about a couple of weird things that are out in the universe. 
Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to put out there, and I actually tweeted about this, going back to my previous point. Um, I tweeted at our uh, show Twitter account because I wanted to connect it to those things. Um, we used to watch, up until we started watching Yu Yu Hakusho instead, this little show known as JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And uh, we did not like it uh, almost across the board. We really liked the first three episodes. We really liked a couple of episodes in the middle of part three. And that's about it. All the other episodes we hated. <laughs> and for the most part, we didn't like it because it's a lot of contrivance and deus ex machina and over the top anime comedy, which we have many times said is not our cup of tea. Um, and I have mentioned that I would like to keep watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure uh, part four and potentially part five independent of the podcast. Um, I used to watch Yu Yu Hakusho independent of the podcast, but I'm not going to do that anymore because we're watching it on our show and I feel like I don't want to be watching it twice and getting confused. So I have replaced Yu Yu Hakusho in my free time watching with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure in my free time watching. And I watched the first two episodes of part four and they were fantastic. They were so, so good. There was a moment of gratuitous violence that involved a dog, and I did not like that. But everything else about the first two episodes of Diamond is Unbreakable were very, very good. They were everything that I want from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which is to say they were smart powers being used in an interesting combat sequence. There was a lot of tension. I was actually on the edge of my seat during part of it. And there were moments of comedy that made me laugh, even a moment that included poop. And <laughs> God, they were really good. Now, I recently have been going down the rabbit hole of YouTube uh, trying to catch up on some Mother's Basement uh, videos, which uh, if you're not watching Mother's Basement, I highly recommend. Mother's Basement's a really good YouTube channel um, for anime content specifically. He has a, a video, which I should find and tweet out. Um, which is a rundown of the first four parts of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It covers the entire story of them in about 20 minutes. So I, I do know some spoilers about part four that I did not a few days ago, but I watched it anyway, and I thought that his rundown was hilarious. It also highlighted many of our gripes, such as the ass pulls from the author and the fact that he's clearly making this up as he goes along and that he kind of hand waves rules that he has pre-established earlier so that he can get himself out of the corners that he frequently writes himself into. Um, however, the guy doing that video also loves JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and so he has the same complaints that we do, but from a, a an affectionate place while still being pretty sarcastic about it. Uh, so if you're interested in that, go check that out, but it does have spoilers up through part four because it's a primer for part five. Uh, but I will say I was pleasantly surprised and based on his review, I am a little nervous that I will not be pleasantly surprised for much longer. But the first two episodes of Diamond is Unbreakable were fantastic and I highly recommend them. Yeah. On a different note about Yu Yu Hakusho, if you are listening to this episode and you're like, God, get on with the Yu Yu Hakusho business. Uh, we are getting to that. But first, I have to talk about a new movie that is literally coming out within the month. Uh, oh, that February shit that I texted 27th, you about. <laughs> 2020, yes. I have been reading about this since you sent it to me. Oh, and wow. My response okay. was, my response was, why? <laughs> <laughs> 
but it looks like Yu Hakusho is having like a a new resurgence in Japan to the point where they're making a live action Yu Hakusho movie that is coming out on February 27th at least in Japan. Um I uh I am one of those people that sometimes goes down the rabbit hole and finds ways to watch things like this without paying for them. Uh don't get mad at me everybody. Um, but I definitely want to watch this and it's going to be very difficult for me to find it in America without, uh, stealing it from somewhere or just finding a way on YouTube to watch it. Um, anyways, uh, I am going to do my best to watch this and talk about it when we get to the next episode of Yu Show, or maybe before that, if it's ridiculous or surprise, surprise, good enough, which what I would be very surprised, but <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our uh, week's episodes of Yu Yu Hakusho. So yeah. previously on Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, we're only on episode five, so we have just started. We only have one Yu Yu Hakusho episode under our belt. So if you don't know what it's about, probably go listen to that. But if you need a refresher or you want something a little faster, Yu Yu Hakusho is a story that takes place in a then modern day Japan um, it, it's a it's a, a little old. I think it's from the 90s. So um, it's dated now, but only just um, there's a kid named Yusuke Yurameshi, and he is kind of one of those classic shonen school aged protagonists who is sort of a class skipping um, gang leader sort of kind of type like he's the, he's the kind of kid who everybody fights and is kind of scared of. So basically also Ichigo Kurosaki from Bleach. They're the same character at the beginning of their series. Uh, But Yusuke is uh, altruistic to a fault uh, in that the beginning of the first episode, he sees a kid about to get hit by a truck and he jumps in the way to save the kid and is hit by the truck himself and dies. Um, This kicks off a uh, revelation that there is a spirit world and he is able to watch over his body. And he meets a woman named uh, Botan and her boss, a guy named Lord Koenma, who is kind of running the afterlife uh, in his father Enma's stead. They give Yusuke a few little tasks to see if he is worthy of being brought back to life. And they have a few false starts, but uh, basically everything seems to be going okay. But maybe he gave up his opportunity to come back to life in uh, an attempt to save his body from burning up in a fire. Um, He also has two people that are still alive who really care for him. I guess technically three, but one of them is his mom. And she is very bad about caring for him because she is an alcoholic. And so she spends most of her time drinking and uh, not picking up around the house or taking care of his comatose body. And sort of falling into a state of disheveled despair. And uh, so she's not a very good caretaker, but she is there. However, there are two other people who care for Yusuke very much. One is Keiko. She is his romantic interest. And um, I don't know, they're childhood friends and they like each other, but they kind of have that like young teenage clearly liking each other, but kind of doing it in ways that make them frustrated with each other. Uh, so she's very kind to him and likes him as their childhood friend. And he is too tough and sort of acts aloof and frustrates her, but they like each other. And so that's their relationship. And she's really concerned because he's dead, but not 
all the way dead, and she wants to figure that shit out. Then there's a guy named Kuwabara, who is very similar to Yusuke. He is also a street tough kind of gang leader type. He also has a secret heart of gold, and he and Yusuke have been rivals for a long time, but their rivalry has bred in Kuwabara uh, an, an affection for him that led, leads him to do things like burst into Yusuke's funeral and yell loudly that he should have been the one to kill him and that Yusuke can't be dead and to cry a lot. So they have that kind of relationship where basically they love each other because they are connected through um, a long sort of association in their personal lives, even though they kind of view each other as um, adversaries. Uh, Anyway, so Yusuke's dead and maybe has a chance to come back to life. And that brings us to episode five. Yeah, episode five, Yusuke's back, Yusuke's resurrection, a new trial. Oh yeah, so, and I, uh, I put the English title and then the Japanese title, so that's what the slash means there. Yeah, so uh, this episode starts with a a new trial for Yusuke, uh, who who had just kind of uh, broke his old trial of carrying around an egg until it hatches, and maybe it's a demon or maybe it's not. Um, so his new trial is that uh, Koenma is going to be like, all right, you can come back to life. And I'm going to zap your body, basically, so that it starts building up energy inside of it so that it can come back to life and this wavelength will match up. Or um, you can come back to life when the next wavelength comes around, if that happens, and it'll be in about 50 years. Uh, Trick to this, though, is that you have to convince someone who loves you in the real world. There's only three of them uh, that they can uh, breathe the, the life force that they have back into your body and surprise, surprise, the way that they're going to have to do it is a.k.a. Sleepy Beauty style, where you're going to have to get a kiss from someone who loves you. Yeah, this is some romance manga contrivance. And actually, the, at, to that point, so far, Yu Yu Hakusho has not been much of a shonen anime. Um, in case you're uninitiated, shonen anime are action anime aimed at young boys. Yu Yu Hakusho has, to this point, played out more like a shoujo anime, which is romance anime aimed at young girls. It's about a kid who dies and then has to, uh, as a spirit, kind of do what he can to communicate with the world of the living to keep his body alive. And most often that has manifested in the form of him communicating with Keiko, the girl he loves, but they haven't really acted on their love for each other or confessed it to one another and um that's been this show so far and it's going to keep being that until about 10 minutes into this episode where it switches to a proper shonen show which is weird this episode 5 and also episode 7 that we're covering later are two episodes where you can feel the manga chapter ending and a new chapter starting at the midway point of the episode it's really strange yeah so um, it, it turns out that uh, the way that he has to communicate with Keiko and Kuobara and his mother is through a dream. Uh, his mother, he immediately is just like, she's not going to be a good, a good person for doing this. And yeah. later on in the episode, we're going to see why. She runs out of booze while she is still drunk and wanders into, uh, it looks... It looks like a like a drag bar. Yeah, um, one of them and clearly she- has a five o'clock shadow and they are both voiced by men. Yeah, she's just hanging out with these drag queens, and she's just like, yes, I want to be around you right now, because fuck <laughs> men. Um, <laughs> so, um, like, there's also I don't want to even talk to men tonight, I just want to dance. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a dated Kuwabara joke, which was funny, but also dated. 
which is I laughed out loud. <laughs> I did too. So basically the joke is that Kuwabara has a dream about him kissing Yusuke and then he wakes up in a panic and is freaking out about a dream about him having a romantic moment with Yusuke. And that was funny. Uh, it was the funniest because a little censored button came up over their lips right before okay. they kissed. <laughs> I didn't like that because as a gay, I get kind of personally offended when, for example, a movie that is otherwise PG gets bumped up to PG-13 because there's a gay romance in it, but mm-hmm. nobody bats an eye at the straight romance. And it's it's just one of those little inequalities that are baked into our society and that comes up a lot and is very frustrating for me. So the fact that they censored that, but they don't censor the kiss from Keiko that happens several times in the episode is a subtle but clear highlighting of the gay relationship being treated differently. And I have a different spin on this, mostly because I knew that that was going to be your response and I looked it up afterwards. Uh-huh. And that is written into the anime, not created afterwards from its release. So it is it is something where the the person creating that is making a statement on the fact that he is going to be censored. Yes, I know. But the fact that it is censored is a sort of nod to that um, homophobic idea that gay yeah. romance is not something to be seen for people and that it is something that should be censored. But straight romance is just an, an everyday occurrence. And the fact that it sort of draws those comparisons um, in, uh, it doesn't say that it draws those comparisons, but they are one after the other. So anyway, what I'm saying is it is funny, but it's also dated. And the the fact that they put the sensor button up there was a little bit of a slap in the face. And then Kuwabara goes on and on about it for a minute. And then later on, Yusuke makes a comment about it. And it's a joke that I think is fine to be made, but they they run it into the ground just a little bit in a way that was frustrating. It was not a complete whiff. It did not ruin the episode for me. And it's definitely an artifact of its time in a way that does not like condemn the show or this episode specifically. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to point it out that uh, it was a little bit of a hard moment for me to get through. Yeah, well... Let's continue on. Uh, Keiko is going to come in after being woken up uh, to see if Yusuke is indeed glowing like she is in her dream. Uh, uh, But he actually isn't glowing everywhere yet. It's just his feet and a little bit of an ass pull moment that makes her be like, okay, never mind. I'm not even going to try kissing him, even though it might save him. Bye. And she leaves. Uh, I I totally agree with her here, though, because... She is like, oh, I had this crazy dream that he was glowing and needed me to kiss him. And then she shows up and he's not glowing, even though he actually is. But just from the feet and they're covered up. And she's like, oh, I'm just being crazy. That was that was totally just a dream. And I can't I can't kiss him. That's that's wrong and weird. And I should just go about my business, which Look, is I'm correct throw it out there. From my OCD respective mind, if I had a sort of premonition dream beforehand that reminded me of saving my 
po- possibly dead person that is with me, and it ended up actually saving his life beforehand, and then I had another premonition dream after finding out that Yusuke is alive, but in a spirit realm beforehand, because he talked to me through Kuwabara two episodes ago, I would do it. Okay. Because it's just like, I have to walk around the house and touch all of these doorknobs because I had a dream about it. It's not the same as that kind of OCD. It's I, OCD uh, from a perspective of like, look at your context clues already. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say uh, not having watched those first four episodes for the last Yu Yu Hakusho episode because of extenuating circumstances and not having watched them for a while previously, I totally forgot about that. And you are completely right. She absolutely should have gone with this impulse. And I take back what I said. Yeah, and I'm mad because it's just kind of like, it's kind of like, are you kidding me right now? Okay, whatever. Um, uh, We have to wait through this other BS moment uh, where she, her mom all of a sudden has an illness, but they're no, like, this by was the way, such it's good not- soap opera drama. Oh my God. They said, they said out loud that they were like, it's an illness, but it's, it's not, it's not that bad of an illness, but you should probably stick around. And she's just like, okay. And then later on, while uh, while Botan and Koenma and uh, y- Yusuke are talking, they're just like, yeah, she needs to stay with her mom. It's good that she's staying with her mom, but it's it's also good that it's not that life-threatening of an illness. It's just like them really rubbing it into you that's just like, you don't have to think about her mom anymore. Don't worry about it. It's well, not a big I, plot point. I think what they're <laughs> setting up is the fact that like her mother is ill, and her mother is ill enough that she needed to go to the hospital. But it is not going to threaten her mother's life. So she's in that state where, like, you, as the loved one, would want to be at the hospital to support your loved one. And it is appropriate for Keiko to be there. And also, in the context of the story that we know, it is a point of tension because Keiko needs to be at Yusuke's side to wake him up. And she doesn't have much time left. And she would have had time to consider that and reconsider kissing him and maybe have done it by now if she hadn't been completely mentally derailed by the sudden illness of her mother. But Mm. what's important is that her mom's not dying. So the fact that Keiko then leaves her mother's side in a minute doesn't make Keiko a monster. Yeah. And the reason that she leaves Keiko's uh, leaves her mother's side is because Botan comes up with the very obvious thing, which is, this person's passed out. I can speak to people through their passed out forms. I'm going to go do that. And she's, she's like, Hey, by the way, you need to go wake uh, Yusuke up. That dream was real. Go do it. And she's I like, lo- fine, I'll go do it. I and she has to get there too. before midnight tolls. And she's half, like running through the town. <laughs> half the time when you have this trope of like somebody unconscious saying a plot relevant thing one it's contrived because it's that person saying it rather than being possessed by a spirit who has a vested interest in this so this works way better but what's so funny is that what happens is usually they say like the one key word or that they uh, a portentous phrase or they're you know she's like use k go to Yusuke and usually that would be it and Keiko would be like oh god is this related to my dream what's happening but then she keeps going and she's like Yusuke needs you you have to kiss him like in that dream you had and I'm like okay (laughs) chill we got it she's got it she understands (laughs) Botan's covering all of her bases yeah Uh, I I just hope that I'm not being ambiguous here this is your mother (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, 
But anyways, she's going to get to uh, Yusuke's apartment building, but not be able to get in because she like is having difficulty finding the key. And before that, she has difficulty waiting for the elevator to come up. And she has to like run up the stairs and she finally gets as the toll of midnight s- strikes. And uh, Yusuke stays dead for a second, and everybody's just like, oh, no. Well, because Keiko stops to take her shoes off at the door. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite moment, is when she can't even bring herself to just run in the house. Instead, she has to stop and pull one shoe off, and then she can't get the other shoe off. So she's like, no, fucking shoe. (laughs) The most Japanese of problems. I must get to that room it at right now time is out but i really i can't do it i cannot walk into this house where nobody else is with my shoes on (laughs) (laughs) anyways um so she's gonna get to yusuke in time turns out yusuke comes back to life um and then uh they're going to make a complete 180 inside of the show um and after yusuke is alive he's gonna walk around with his uh, 80s jacket and 90s sunglasses. Yeah, he sure as fuck is. He also, uh, he, he's just kind of taking the city back in. He's alive again and he is going to see what's been happening while he's been dead because he's been dead for a little while. Mm-hmm. And um, he he eventually stumbles into this cafe and I got the impression it was, it was a little uncomfortable Clear, I thought from the dialogue, but kind of suggested that this used to be his turf. And now that he has been out of it for a little while, it's been taken over by another group of guys. And that group of guys is kind of sitting in here and Yusuke's being all incognito and sitting in the corner. And he's looking at this group of guys and kind of sizing them up. And he realizes that one dude seems to be the ringleader. And then suddenly um, he can see that this guy has um, horns protruding from his forehead like a demon. And he is shocked by this because he didn't see them a second ago and nobody else seems to see them. Before this happens, though, one of my favorite epi- moments inside of this episode happens, which is that uh, apparently in Japan or in the town that he's living in, street toughs will just try to mug you at every moment in the broad oh, yeah. daylight when you're walking down the street. So it's like New York in the eighties where there's just crime. The streets are just crime the whole time. Yeah. So, um, he is, he's walking down the street and these two guys show up who look like they're drawn with the exact same face. So I assume they're street tough twins. Um, (laughs) so, uh, (laughs) so, um, they are going to, uh, you know, the Fred and George of the Yu Hakusho universe. Um, (laughs) they are going to, uh, they're going to wander up and they're going to be like, hey, give us some money. We need some money. It would be nice if you gave us all your money. And instead of Yusuke fighting them, Yusuke like grabs their faces and he's like, you can see me. Everything's wonderful. And then he just like <laughs> brushes past them. And they're just, one of the guys is just like, weren't we just mugging him? And his brother is just like, no, no, man. Don't mess with those crazy people. It's yeah. bad luck. <laughs> Yusuke is too busy doing a what day is it, boy? Um, Ebenezer Scrooge style coming back from the brink of death to be bothered by the fact that he was just unsuccessfully mugged. Yeah. Also, uh, before that happens as well, obviously Botan inside of a hood is going to pull him inside of an alley and be like, hey, look at my magic ball. And he's just like, I don't want to. And he leaves. She's throwing her voice uh, and is all wrapped up so you can just see her eyes and the blue hair so we know who it is. Um, but she's trying to be all disguisey because after Yusuke wakes up, Botan makes an offhanded comment to Kuenma and she's like, ah, oh, this is great. He's back to life. And now 
his story is over and we can all move on. And Koenma's like, no, no, no. His story is just beginning. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, these street toughs are going to have formed a gang around uh, what clearly is the differently drawn leader who is smaller but also way more evil. Um, he is going to be talking about how he has forced Kuobara and his gang to steal some manga books so that um, they can bring them to him. Uh, and it turns out that Kuobara is not a thief and he will never be a thief. And he brings the mangas, but he has paid for them. And mm. that is not what the street tough leader wants. He wants Kuobara to be evil. And he's just like, hey, if you don't steal me something correctly, I'm going to take it out on this we suspect is a person. It turns out that these people are even more evil than we thought because they've stolen a kitten from Kuwabara and they're going to just like threaten to kill this cat. Um, and uh, Yusuke is just like, oh, it's just a cat. But in my mind, I was just like, oh my God, it's a cat? Like, yeah. what kind of monsters are you? Yeah. It's not like, you know, I've taken a hostage and it's just like, yeah, it's it's awful. But yeah, it's not but the earth serial is killer and whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you don't expect that somebody is just gonna, you know, murder a person. They're probably gonna take that person and beat them up and eventually give them back to you after they hold them for ransom. Yeah. But like when I've been around enough things to see that like serial killers, you know, murder small defenseless animals who don't want to hurt anybody in the world, especially a kitten, like this is evil. Like, yeah, very evil. Um, and it, it's also worth uh, reiterating that this guy wanted Kuwabara to steal the manga, not because he wanted the manga, but because he wanted Kuwabara to steal. He is explicitly trying to corrupt Kuwabara. And I, I watched the dub and I, I suspect you did, too, because I know you talked about Kuwabara's voice actor last week. No, I talked to, I watched the sub this week. Oh, interesting. Oh, all right. Well, uh, at least in the dub, the guy who who has horns that nobody can see um, explicitly says, I wanted you to steal so that you would feel the joy of, of stealing. Basically, he, oh, wants he definitely to, says that. Yeah. He explicitly is trying to corrupt Kuabara to basically entice him to the dark side. So they, they go out into the back alley to it's face like, calm down because, Palpatine. <laughs> yeah. Kuabara is, is basically like, look, I, I want to get my cat back, but I have a code of ethics that I cannot violate, and so I will do some shit for you in order to fulfill whatever quota you need to get my cat back, but I'm not going to corrupt myself. And um, so they go out to this back alley, and he's like, all right, look, if you're not going to steal, here's something you can do to get your cat back. Um, your three friends that you have with you, beat them the fuck up. And yeah. Kuabara once again, is like, I have a code of ethics. I cannot break that they haven't done anything that earns them a beating. And so I can't beat them up. They're my friends. And the dude is like, all right, well, Merc the cat. And Kuwabara is kind of caught the guy between behind a them, in a hard place. He just breaks a bottle and holds it up to the cat's face. Yeah. And uh, after this happens, Yusuke is just like, okay, I've watched enough. Uh, and Yusuke <laughs> jumps into action. He punches the guy. The cat goes flying up in the air. Yusuke catches it. Um, then they get into, they start brawling with these guys. The evil guy starts to run away. Yusuke, before running after him, is like, Kuwabara, take this, put this cat in a safe place, you idiot. And then he runs off after the guy. <laughs> yeah, and it's nice, too, because as soon as Yusuke breaks in, the first thing he does is he smacks the guy with the cat and takes the cat from him. He proceeds to fight while holding the cat for a little while. 
And the guy who was holding the cat up to uh, to to murder it was holding it by the nape of its neck, which is a, a trick. If you have a cat, um, they they have this like bit of skin on the back of their neck and you can grab that and the cat will somewhat immobilize because this is something that when they're kittens, their their mothers will grab them by the nape of their neck to carry them around and they kind of stay still for that because that's it's just this like you know deeply ingrained evolutionary thing um yusuke is holding the cat around its stomach and there's no goddamn way you can hold a cat like that who does not want to be held there is no way in the fucking world the cat will stay (laughs) in your arms especially if you're moving around and kicking at people that cat is gonna do what it can to get out of there and that just took me right out of it (laughs) whatever cat facts blake um <laughs> Cat go, facts listen play. More, go, go listen to more paula poundstone anyways oh um, my so- god her <laughs> thing about putting down foil on her counters to stop the cats from peeing and then she was like all i could do was just hear them peeing better <laughs> jesus christ paula poundstone when she was like she was like yes at one point i had 13 cats what of it <laughs> I thought she said 16. This was on one of the recent Wait, Wait up episodes. So oh my god, it's probably 16. Anyways, anyways, uh, uh, Yusuke is going to catch up with the ringleader guy. It turns out that he had a demon living inside of him and possessing him. Uh, Yusuke knocks out the guy. The demon pops out of his mouth. Yusuke catches the demon. And then Botan shows up and is just like, hey, by the way, good job. Also, you're a spirit detective. And that leads us into episode six. She also has um, an it's me Dio moment where she's like, yeah. no, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm Botan. Yeah. Anyways, this is episode six. Three monsters. The three yokai. Hiei, Kurama, and Guki. Um, or Goki. I don't know how to say it, but he is They say Goki in, um, in the dub, and it's going to be kind of... Kind of like how the R uh, saying words that have an R or L sound in them in Japanese is really just a trill. Um, so they don't really have a proper R or L. They have a trill sound in the same way. an OU is kind of a mix between O and OO. And mm-hmm. so we're going to just, we're going to walk that line. Cool. Anyways. Um, so this episode is really just about three facts. Uh, you learn them pretty quickly. Um, the first fact is that there has been a robbery inside of the spirit realm. Um, there are three demons that have stolen three, uh, very powerful spiritual objects from the spirit realm. Um, there is a mirror. Uh, this mirror will give you your, uh, show your, you show you your one desire. And if it is a full moon, it will give you your one desire, but it requires a sacrifice of some sort. We don't know what it is yet. Then there is a sword. The sword, if it is, it strikes somebody, turns them into a demon. Um, and then the last one is this orb. Uh, the orb can conjure people's souls out of their bodies. Um, it also is a, a little bit more evil because it likes to take out children's souls in, instead of older people's souls. There is no reason why this happens, but I'm assuming it's just because they wanted to make this character seem more evil than he is. Yeah. Um, there's also been a robbery at school and yeah. uh, Yusuke is framed because Yusuke has promptly started skipping class again now that he's revived and people's shit has gone missing. And it turns out that he was the only one who wasn't in class when all of these things went missing. And so he is the prime and indeed only suspect. And yeah. you might remember but- from our last time's coverage that there are two important teachers at the school and one of them hates Yusuke. 
and has literally tried to have him killed, and the other one believes that Yusuke has goodness in him and wants to see him succeed. Yeah. So the important thing, number two, that has happened inside of this episode is that uh, Botan has started to slowly, for some reason, start giving Yusuke the actual pieces of his spirit detective outfit uh, that he needs um, yeah, I get the impression that it job. is uh, in-universe because he is not strong enough or experienced enough to handle them all at once, and out-of-universe because the author's trying to think of the other ones. Yeah, so think of Botan as M in this situation from uh, 007, and M is going <laughs> to just give him gadgets when he needs them. Uh, so the first gadget he's going to get is this little spyglass. Um, the spyglass lets you see through uh, what turns out to be walls or see things that people don't want you to see or clothes, which they fit in a dirty joke at the very beginning of it, where it's almost presented as like it's not it, it's not in a dirty way because Yusuke is just looking forward and lifts up the spyglass to his face, looking like he doesn't know what he's doing. And immediately Botan is just like, are you tr- what are you trying to do? Get Don't look at me. And she like <laughs> knocks it out of his hand. Um, so. Uh, he is going to be able to see through this evil teacher's uh, jacket after he takes him out of class, and it turns out the evil teacher is the one that stole this. Um, and while the evil teacher is being railed on by the other teacher that is like, you shouldn't be stealing from these, I need to talk to you more, he's going to walk down the hallway, and Botan is just going to be like, by the way, if you focus on your finger, no, Koenma you can shoot him. out. Uh, what, Koenma? Oh yeah, Koenma uh-huh. tells him, if you yeah, focus so, on your finger, so you Yusuke... can make a spirit power. <laughs> Yeah, so the the teacher tried to frame Yusuke because Yusuke's back to life, and the teacher was really happy when Yusuke was dead because he hates him uh, and wants to get rid of him. So he's like, well, if I frame him for stealing these things, as soon as he's returned, then he can get expelled. And then it turns out that the teacher has the things, and he's like, no, Yusuke slipped them into my pocket, but the nice teacher doesn't believe him. And then the mean teacher says some really, really not okay shit about Yusuke's mother, and Yusuke oh, yeah. is uh, immediately enraged and wants to hit him. And basically, Koenma appears and is like, hey, don't hit him. We have a mission. And that's when Yusuke finds out about the demons. And he is distracted enough that the mean teacher is able to get down the hallway. And Yusuke is like, yeah, but that guy fucking sucks. And Koenma's like, well, look, if you want to take revenge on him, you can do it. But do it in a way that you can't be seen and it can't be traced back to you. And so you have this ability called the spirit gun, which I'm I'm surprised that they just tell him about this because I thought this was something of a unique ability of use case. So I was a little thrown that somebody else told him about it and how to use it, but whatever. Um, it's not, by the way. Every spirit detective can use this ability. Okay. Uh, but the the other characters in the show that they partner up with have different abilities, which is why I thought They are that. not spirit detectives. Okay. So because Yusuke has this and because he has the ability to sort of like sense his own spirit energy now because of his out of body experience, he can um, form his energy into a point on his finger and then fire it off. Uh, But at his current level, he can only do that once a day. And so Koenma tells him this immediately after telling him that he has an important time sensitive mission against three powerful demons. (laughs) He then teaches Yusuke how to use this technique, this once a day technique. To get revenge on a teacher? Yeah. Okay. Uh, This is not very smart for either of them. (laughs) Yeah. So that aside, Yusuke is just going to go out into the world and he's going to be like, I don't want to do anything. 
So he lays down on a bench, but then he hears yeah. a crowd of people um, away from him that are like, oh, God, this little child fainted for some reason. We don't know why. And one of the people is just like, are they anemic? And I immediately was just like, that's a really interesting point to put up. They might yeah. be anemic or they, they might have low blood sugar or they might be diabetic. Like yeah. it's a it's a pretty good response to it. And I was like, that's some that's some good like, you know, like background background writing, you guys. Anyways, yeah. um, so he is going to see the spirit of this young child leave its mouth, um, throwing back to the episode before where life can be breathed in through somebody's mouth. Apparently, that's how your soul leaves. Um, he's going to follow this soul down a long, dark alley where a bunch of evil people are going to be, uh, you know, around. Um, but one of them is particularly evil looking. And when he looks at him and focuses, he can see three or uh, no, it's five horns sticking out of the guy's head. Yeah. Um, and the guy gets up to walk away, um, but only when he's going to walk away do all of the other street tough peoples stand up and they're like, hey, give us your money. And they're like, we're going to team up because we're the people in the back alley gang. And uh, he, he's just like, I don't have time for this. And so he just beats them all up without expressing any effort. Um, and then he goes to catch uh, this guy. Meanwhile, yeah. we are learning about the third most important thing inside of this episode, which is... Koenma is going to admit to Botan that these three objects are very, very important, but if they don't come back within a week, the world may end. And Botan is just like, that's how dangerous they are. And Koenma is just like, no, but that's when my dad gets home. And when my dad gets home, he's going to be so mad that he is going to destroy me. And also when he gets super mad, sometimes he causes earthquakes and eruptions and he's just like, Mount Fuji might actually erupt this time. And Botan's yeah. like, oh God, like, we need to make sure this My dad's really big happen. on acceptable losses. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Yusuke arrives where the demons are. They're meeting in a, a forest clearing and Goki is uh, having a, the time of his life being able to suck out souls without having to kill people first. Um, meanwhile, Kurama is a little contrite. He's like, I don't know. You guys seem kind of like you suck a lot. And I don't know if I want to hang out with you anymore. Um, so I'm going to take my mirror and go. And he is upset by this because he is like, we should all stick together. And I thought you were a different kind of person and I'm going to go after you. And that leaves Goki by himself for Yusuke to confront one-on-one. So Yusuke is going to jump into the fray. Um, they are going to begin their fight, which leads us into episode seven, Goke and Kurama, Kurama's secret, the ties between mother and son. Um, so uh, Goki is going to reveal his monster form. Um, he is going to really, really beat the hell out of Yusuke as soon as he reveals his monster form. And uh, Botan intervenes by making it seem like a bunch of people are coming up uh, with flashlights. Um, and he's going to be like, I don't want to be caught. And so he bails. Um, yeah. Botan Yusuke was is... about to be killed, but Botan saves yeah. him. Yeah. So the rest of the first part of this episode is about Yusuke getting better and Botan giving him yet another uh, couple of items that he needs. The first one is going to be a emitter power upper, um, which he can slip onto his ring finger and then shoot a more powerful spirit gun out of it. Or I guess it's its index finger. Um, and then the other one is this little compass that lets you know when demonic presences are near. Um, and uh, If you've identified like, them previously. Yeah, and if you've seen them previously. So um, he is going to find Goki again. They're going to get into another fight. 
Um, and then he is going to defeat Goki by um, getting him to open his mouth when as it's coming down on him and stick a, a piece of wood in his mouth, which opens it up long enough for him to shoot a spirit gun through the guy's mouth and basically blow off his head. We don't see it happen because they like cut away from it and they just see yeah. his body laying in the distance. Um, but that's what it's happens. pretty clear from the first shot that his head has exploded, but then they cut around it, uh, I guess to not have to deal with censorship. Uh, yeah. so yeah. And an important fact about the emitter power upper, as you said, is that, uh, it, it basically increases his spiritual power exponentially, but then he is used up. So not mm-hmm. only can he only use the spirit gun once a day, but this is going to leave him in a very weakened state, more so than just using it would in general. Uh, so yep. he uses this emitter to make sure that he's strong enough to take out Goki, which he is. But now he's totally sapped and he's kind of stumbling on his way home when he comes across Kurama. Yeah. So uh, Kurama is going to um, tell him telepathically as he walks past that he doesn't want to fight, he wants to meet up with Yusuke later, and he wants to explain why he's doing this. He does not want to keep what he has taken, and he will give it back in three days' time, um, and he will explain why this is going to happen later. Yusuke, always the altruist, is going to be like, look, I want to meet up with this person, I want to understand where they're coming from. Botan is just like, this person's a demon, don't be an idiot, don't get yourself killed, and Yusuke is basically just like, no, fuck it, I'm going to go talk to him. She Um, also has a pretty good point, which is uh, three days from now is the full moon. That's when the forlorn hope, which is the name of the mirror is at its strongest and will be able to grant his wish. And what if his wish is to destroy the world and he's playing <laughs> you and Yusuke is like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yusuke is just like, no, 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 don't, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Yusuke is going to go meet up with Kurama. It turns out that, uh, Kurama, it was a very powerful demon Fox um, who used to steal things inside of the demon world in the real world. Um, he was very, very good at breaking seals. And uh, it turns out while he was trying to steal something, a hunter who was also very powerful and probably a spirit detective um, caught up with Kurama and uh, injured him very gravely in order to make sure that he didn't die or get caught by this hunter. He turned himself into a spirit and he embodied a young child uh, for this family. Um, and he was then born into this family, knowing that within 10 years he would have regained his powers so that he could go and just be in the spirit world again or change back to his original form. Um, but in that time, he learned what love is from this mother who took him, uh, took care of him. Um, and the mother has an incurable illness that is going to kill her. Um, it is now the first day of a full moon or getting close to a full moon. Um, so, uh, he, he knows that if he has to, he can do something, but he needs to figure out, um, when he needs to do it. Um, then it turns out that his mom is going to die tonight if they don't do anything about it. So Karama's just like, look, I'm going to use this ability of this mirror and the sacrifice that it needs is someone's life. And I'm giving my own life because I truly love my mother who took care of me. And Yusuke, while, uh, Karama's, uh, while, uh, oh God, um, while he's trying to give his life is going to be like, no, 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 it's fine. I don't want, I don't want to have to see somebody's mother grieving again. It's the worst thing in the world. Um, I'm going to give my life as well. He remembers his, his mom grieving, 
And he says, I don't want to, I don't want to see that happen again. It's too terrible. And if you give your life, that's what's going to happen. You know, you will trade yours for hers and she'll be alive, but she'll be without you. And it's not going to be a worthwhile sacrifice. So take me instead, which many of you listening at home will already see the logical inconsistency in this plan. Uh, but thankfully, the mirror also sees that inconsistency and makes some accommodations. Yeah. The mirror's just like, it's cool. It's good that you did that. I decided not to kill either one of you. Um, and yeah, in true mirror is, fashion. <laughs> it's pretty altruistic for a Japanese artifact with mystical qualities. Yeah. Also, the mirror, the mirror gives a lot of uh, a lot of explanation before it does what it does. So I'm like, what's going on, mirror? Um, anyways, let me uh, tell you so- the tale of the mirror. <laughs> anyways, uh, Kurama's going to be reunited with his mother um, and Yusuke is going to be like, this is great. I've already gotten two things and they laugh really hard and it cuts back to Koema and Koema's just like, that's great. But please, for the love of God, get the last thing so that we can be done with this. Um, and so with that takes us into episode eight, our last episode of this week, the three eyes of Hiei, um, Keiko in peril, Hiei, the, uh, the Jagan master or Jagan master or Yagan master. I have no idea, um, Jagan. but Jagan master anyways. Um, so this is going to be our first real, real shonen battle episode. Um, I really like this. Also, episode. one of the first Yu Yu Hakusho episodes I ever saw. I happened to catch it when I got home from school in middle school or something, and I was staying with my grandma, and I was like, "This show seems cool." Yeah. So this episode is going to feature Hiei, one of my favorite characters in the show. Um, he is going to be um scheming and talking about how he's gonna take a he's gonna take out everybody, and he's like, "I'm gonna get those three artifacts. And I'm gonna rule the spirit realm with them." Um, so he is, uh, just plotting and, uh, he comes about Yusuke and he's like, okay, I have to take him out. The way I can take him out is by taking advantage of somebody that he cares about in true evil guy form. He takes, um, Keiko hostage. And the way that he does this is he strikes her with a sword that turns you into a demon. Um, and he then takes her into a truly Bondian villain place, which is a, uh, large, warehouse that ships things over the ocean it's like it's just a warehouse full of boxes that they can battle in um and also it turns out that the jogging that he uses um is a way to take over people's minds it's a third Um, eye that appears on his forehead yeah and it can take over people's minds if they don't have enough strong spiritual power and he has made like a zombie army to fight with him inside of this big giant open space um these people are just normal people, though, and uh, Yusuke is going to take care of a couple of them real quick and then uh, be like, okay, it's fine. I need Keiko back. I will give you back these two other objects as long as you give her back to me. And he is like, that's fine. And I assume dismisses all of these people that he's taken over because we'll never see them again in this side of this episode. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah, he hands over these objects with no... Uh, Botan is just, like, completely fine with this, and Koenma doesn't try to step in at all. Um, but anyways, uh, he is going to give them to Hiei. Hiei is just like, haha, I have all the power. And Yusuke is just like, that's good, but I have Keiko now, so I can fight you for real. And instead, Hiei is like, no, you can't, because I slashed her with this demon sword, and she's going to turn into a demon if that third eye on her head opens. 
Um, but Do- Botan sweeps in and starts shooting force lightning into the light, uh, the eyeball, yep. um, and it starts to close the eyeball. And she's like, I can do this, but not for long. And he is like, yes, that'll kill her if she does it for too long. So now there's a timetable on this fight. Yeah. So Yusuke actually gets in a good hit or two. Uh, something that I noticed was that Yusuke is surprisingly strong in these early episodes. Mm-hmm. But similarly to the fight with Goki, he is then immediately outclassed when the demon that he's fighting takes it seriously. So he kind of activates his jug on eye and this allows him to uh, more easily track Yusuke's movements and takes Yusuke's advantage all the way away. Um, he starts to beat up on Yusuke pretty badly. And then he, he basically has Yusuke where he wants him. And he's like, I can either kill you or I can slash you with the shadow sword and turn you into a demon and uh, do you have a preference? And Yusuke doesn't say anything. And he's like, oh, you want me to decide? Well, here's what I'm going to do. And then he stabs at Yusuke. And at that moment, Kurama appears and instead gets stabbed himself and takes the blow to save Yusuke's life. Yeah. Yusuke then uh, gets faster and more powerful, much like a Saiyan in Dragon Ball Z. Every time or he like defeated, Ichigo he Kurosaki. Oh, yeah. Every time he gets knocked down, he comes back with more force and is much, much faster than before. And he's yeah, able and to really similar to Ichigo. He has a nebulous amount of power that always seems to go up at plot relevant times when he is up against the wall and in some way related to his desire to save his friends. They are really similar. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he is going to defeat Hiei enough to where Hiei is just like, fine, I'll use my true form. Um, which is a bunch of green all over me and eyeballs. Um, Mr. So, so a bunch of eyeballs are going to open. These are more Jagan eyes. Uh, with this ability, he is able to uh, he is able to trap Yusuke. Um, that was that happened before the oh, Karama yeah. got stabbed. Um, right. And then sorry, after that, that, yeah, Karama is going to take him out because he throws the blood from the sword. By the way, there is a very dumb moment where Kurama cuts his hand for no reason. Um, so he gets stabbed through the stomach. And then, instead of just taking some of the blood from his stomach and throwing it in Hiei's eye, he then cuts his hand and then throws that blood into Hiei's eye. And I was yeah, just like, so he can I have guess a more you're... dramatic wrist flick with that. Yeah, anyways. So he throws that into the Jagan eye um, that Hiei's using that makes the ability fall off of Ichi... Uh, of, I almost called him Ichigo. Of Yusuke... Um, <laughs> Yusuke is going to get up and go and just start to beat the hell out of Hiei. It's a yeah, back the, and forth, and then Hiei, Hiei gets stronger and stronger. Hiei's body is covered in these eyes, but uh, Kurama, when he blinds Hiei's Jagan eye, reveals that the Jagan eye is the source of his power, and the other eyes on his body are just power amplifiers. So mm-hmm. they are amplifying into something that has been disabled, and so the power is kind of uh, unusable. Yeah, but it's slowly becoming more able to be used, and b- when he is gaining more and more power back, he starts to uh, uh, get the upper hand on Yusuke. Yusuke then is going to pre- feign that he is running away. Um, as he's running away, uh, uh, he is going to start catching up with him and being like, I'm going to kill you. And so Yusuke gets to where he wants to be. He turns around, he fires his spirit gum. Um, this spirit gun goes flying past Hiei who dodges it in midair and Hiei is just like, yeah, you defeat, you, you've, uh, not defeated me. I have escaped, but it turned out 
that he shot his uh he shot a spirit gun into the mirror that was there before it bounced off the mirror and slammed into the back of he and he goes down yeah so uh he used ricochet tactics a la cyclops of the x-men to take out he um he reveals to botan and kurama that the reason he did this was because he realized that he was too fast and that yusuke would never be able to hit him with his spirit gun uh, head on and since he's only got one shot he can't waste it by trying to uh you know maneuver him and then fire again but he saw the mirror and he thought he could ricochet it off of them uh, while he's explaining this he reveals that he was not sure it would ricochet and they are stunned that he took such a gamble and kurama is like i thought you were a tactical genius but what i see now is that you're just a lucky idiot <laughs> <laughs> also uh it turns out that one of the weapons uh, is completely destroyed, um, which is the mirror, and this turns out to uh, foil Koima's plan of getting them back before Dad finds out. Um, and the, his his dad is just like, "Oh, you've done this, but at least you got them back. So I'm giving you the lesser punishment instead of destroying the world. I'm instead just going to give you a hundred spankings." And we see yeah. that while the rest of the characters laugh in the background. And that's yeah, the end of our Yeah, so coverage. Keiko is fine. The artifacts are returned. Koenma's in trouble. Uh, Hiei and Kurama are off somewhere. And who knows if we'll ever see them again. <laughs> yeah, they're only in the opening credits and also right. <laughs> every single mid-credit. Such a, <laughs> such a big deal, too, when you like see the intro and there's like four characters and it's Yusuke, Kuwabara, Kurama, and Hiei. And then yeah. Kurama and Hiei show up with less well-designed Goki, and you're like, where is this going? <laughs> Anyways, uh, stick with us, and we will talk about what's happening on the next episode. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free, and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too please consider supporting us on patreon follow us on twitter at b and s get jumped like us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash blake and spencer get jumped or talk to us on reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped if you like the show please like subscribe and leave a review reviews help other listeners find our show new episodes come out every sunday on itunes google play stitcher buzzsprout or wherever you get your podcast from and hey Thanks for listening. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Hunter x Hunter episodes 109 through 111, where the heroes infiltrate the palace and have a standoff with Methu... Nailed it.